welcome to another fabulous episode of Tickle.life podcast. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Gaia Morissette. And we're going to change up how we move in the show. So I want to invite you first to like, just kind of drop in and relax a little bit. Everybody just take a breath. We're going to have a conversation that may feel uncomfortable a little bit. It may feel exciting a little bit. It might, you never know what's going to happen on a Tickle.life podcast. Okay. But whatever it is, I want you to feel safe enough to lean in with us. And if you need to leave, or if you get triggered, that's okay. None of us will take offense. It's okay for you to turn us off. You do whatever you need to do to feel safe. Okay. So Welcome, 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 welcome. I'm super excited to, I don't know what we're going to talk about, which is part of the excitement of the adventure that I, every time we show up on a Tickle.life podcast. So I'm going to have my guests introduce themselves because I'm horrible with everybody's names. So I want your name to get right. So go ahead. Who are you and what do you do in the world? Good morning. Nice to see you. Um, nice to meet you. see you too. Yeah, my name is Richard Mancuso, and what I do in the world, I am an author, and I talk about herpes simplex, which is mm. part a very big part of my personal experience and living with it for, geez, almost thirty something years. Which is the which is the story that you're going to take us on the journey that yeah. you're going to take us on is about yeah. your journey and in. In her, you know, having herpes and living with herpes and experiencing that. So where do you want to start on that story? Well, I think I can start when I was very young and dumb and full of uh, vinegar and thinking that I knew everything in the world. <laughs> okay, so how old were you then? Because, I, I mean, I, and I was me like yesterday. <laughs> how old were you when you perceived that? <laughs> how many days old were you today? Um, geez, I was about 17 years old. Okay. And there were two instances that it could possibly have been herpes, which is, a, I know it sounds like a very strange situation. So people who don't have herpes or don't know that they have herpes or never experienced it, they have no idea. So I had a bad experience with herpes. I was- Okay, so let's, so, so let's start with, let's start with your 17. And- you're, are you being, is it sexually active? What's going on? Like, let's start with like, what's going on? Like what happened? Who, who are you having sex with? Are you having sex? What's going on? So I was, I was 17 years old. I had been recently thrown out of my house and uh, without any direction, no clue of what to do. I was thrown into a world where it was the late 80s, early 90s and everybody was having sex. Everybody was having sex with one another. There was no education. There was nothing. I, I, I knew absolutely nothing about sex. So having sex just seemed like something to do. And my first experience with herpes was an outbreak that started very small on my groin and completely engulfed my entire groin area as a giant lesion. And I had no idea what it was. It was super painful. Mm-hmm. It was awful. And I was so scared. Mm-hmm. I was ashamed. I was completely beside myself. And being somebody who was 17, I had no clue. And so, where are you living? Like, where are you living at 17? You've been kicked out of the house. What's well, going on? 
Yeah, originally I was thrown out of the house and I was living under the boardwalk. I was actually literally homeless for about three months. Okay. Um, and I ended up finally getting a job and getting a place to stay. I met some people and we ended up splitting an apartment. Okay. So, you know, this entire situation was scary to begin with and then end up getting something on my groin, which was very shocking because I thought I was invincible. So you get you, know, you get this, this sore shows up on your groin and are you now, you have a place to live or is this still, are you still living underneath the bridge? No, this was, this was a, so here, let me start over. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, I'll start over for you. You can throw everything else out. So I was 17 years old. I had recently been thrown out of my house. I was living under the boardwalk. I was completely homeless, uh, not a clue. I was completely clueless on how to navigate the world. I was scared. I had no idea about anything. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't until months later, I ended up getting an apartment and meeting some people and sharing some, some uh, space and some time with some friends that I had made. And one morning after you know having sex all week, because it was the late eighties and everybody was having sex with one another, I ended up with a sore that manifested itself into a giant area on my groin. And so what happened when you saw the sore? Like what, what was running through your mind? What was going on? Well, when it first started, I thought it was nothing. Okay. I'm like, oh, it must be, you know, oh, it must be a bump. I was in complete denial, complete yeah. denial. And I think deep down, I knew it was something mm -hmm. because, you know, it was the you know, late 80s, early 90s. Everybody was having sex. So I, I was scared, but I kind of ignored it. But within a day or two, it had gotten very large and I had to go to the doctor. Okay, so so you go into the doc. So you go to the doctor. What happens at the doctors? Yeah, so this was 1989, 1990. Um, I go to the doctor. He takes one look at it and he says, "Oh, well, it's probably a yeast infection. Here's here's a prescription," and then throws me out of his office. So that was very strange to me because I kind of sort of deep down knew that it might have been herpes, but it felt better to think that it was something else. So yep. that denial really put me in a very bad spot. Okay. And the fact that the doctor wasn't very honest about it was even more scarier. So, okay. So you, you, the doctor sends you home with the yeast infection meds. Uh, you know, uh, I'm assuming it's a cream of some sort. Yep. Um, <laughs> of course, it's always a cream. It's always a cream. Yep. Um, so, you started applying the cream to say anything. Is it changing? Is it getting worse? What's happening? It got a little worse. And then within a few weeks, it was gone. Oh, okay. So, you know, there was some scabbing and some things that were going on. So I kind of just ignored some people. I, I had some girlfriends at the time and I was, you know, I'm 17 years, 18 years old, at the, 17 to 18 years old at the time. And completely, you know, not just a complete dummy, as a human being, as a dumb kid, I had no idea about relationships. I was completely clueless on how to communicate, mm -hmm. how to say, you know, something's going on. Maybe you gave me something. I had no idea. It's completely lost. So what did you do? So looking, well, so, so that's the looking back on, wow, I didn't know what I was doing, but what did you actually do? Like what, how are you reacting? How are you interacting in those relationships? Did you say anything? Did you not say anything? Did you hide it? Like what happened? I, I pretty much just said that I needed some time. That was, my, that was, that was the go-to excuse that people use. Oh, I need some time. I'm going through some things. But then I just, 
I just completely ignored it. And then I ended up talking to other friends and they said, well, if it's herpes, my doctor said, it's just, it's everywhere. Don't worry about it. And I was like, oh, wow, really? What do you, you mean everybody? Ha- yeah, yeah, everybody has it. Don't worry about it. I'm like, okay, I guess I won't worry about it. Like, you know, I was a, it sounded good to me. So then I went a few years with nothing and I thought, oh, okay, maybe it wasn't, maybe it went away. I don't know. We didn't have phones. We didn't have the internet. We didn't, we had a library. I wasn't yes. going wasn't gonna go to the library as it's an 18 year old kid do you have any books on herpes like I, I was or like, do you have any books on stis or stds that they were called back then right i never would have thought about doing that mm-hmm. ever i never in a million years would have put myself in that position because i was just not mentally strong enough to do something like that as a kid yeah so okay so what happens? How do you like how what happens next? So it goes away for a couple of years. You you know, you're like, great, that was a yeast infection. Fantastic. Okay, moving on. <laughs> right, exactly. So one one day I ended up getting a very sharp pain on my left buttock. Okay. And it was so intense that I literally thought I was at work. I was hanging out with the guys at work. I literally thought I was bit by a spider. Mm. So by the by that evening. The mark that was on there was huge. It was about this big. And I'm like, oh, I, I got bit by a spider. It's, it's, it's getting, it's, I'm, I'm dying. Now I'm dying. <laughs> so I go to the doctor. The doctor takes one look at it and he goes, yeah, that's not a spider bite. That's herpes simplex. Here's your prescription. Have a nice day. And I'm sitting there and I'm like in shock. Mm-hmm. So those feelings that I had originally a few years ago, all completely flooded back. And what were those feelings? Let's talk about those feelings. So, you know, I had ignored those feelings, right? So I had, I had put them back and I sequestered them and I ignored them. And I, I went for just ignoring it. That, that was my go-to thing. So now all of that realization of, oh, this is herpes. Mm-hmm. This is definitely herpes. You're an idiot. And now you definitely have it. There's no denying it. So now you, how are you going to, I just couldn't think of how I was going to navigate this world. And there was really no information available for me to, there was no pamphlets. There was no, Hey, listen, I think you should talk to somebody. I completely upset with myself. Um, So was there, was there like, what were, were there, was there fear was there worry? Were there stress? Was there like shame? It, like what? Like let's let's give some feeling words. What were some of the the actual emotions that were running through? Other than the shock and the realization piece, like underneath that, what was going on? I was depressed. Mm. I was depressed. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to hang myself. I thought that my relationships or anything that, that I was my future was going to be over because I didn't know anything about this. And I thought, well, this is going to happen all of the time. Mm-hmm. No one is going to want to be around me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be treated like a leper. People are going to make fun of me for this. So now I have to keep this a secret. Mm. So instead of, instead of just learning from that shame <clears throat> or um, accepting it, I just compiled it and made it even worse. So all of the shame from from years ago that was still there is now grown exponentially. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you end up doing? Well, I ended up kind of ignoring it. 
you know, kind of really going into a bad place. And I said, you know, there was a point in time where I decided I wanted to get back out there and start dating. And one of the next rejections that I had received, I, which wasn't her fault, she was making decisions that were based on what was best for her. I wanted to kill myself. So and what happens? So let's talk, let's talk about that actual yeah. rejection. So how do you have, do you, so what, what ended up happening? So we, we, we were speaking, this is when MySpace was a big deal. Okay. Don't know if you remember MySpace. I do, I do. Yeah. <laughs> so there was this lovely woman, um, girl at that time that I really, really liked. And uh, I, was in, I was in fear of rejection at that point when we first started talking because I, my level of liking her was growing quite large. And so, so you're just, you're just, chatting online you haven't met in person yet or had any have you had phone conversations yet okay yeah we had we had a few conversations and then most of it was online okay but we ended up talking on the phone and we started getting really comfortable with one another and we really started connecting which was a very hard thing for me to do during my younger years because of obviously from trauma Mm -hmm. so finding that person for me was amazing like, wow, you know, here's somebody who actually really likes me. And then it's like, uh oh, I need to tell her this thing. Uh-huh. This is gonna, this is gonna end well. She's gonna hate me. She's gonna do this. She's gonna do that. She's gonna run away. And then I'm, this is gonna be it. So we ended up speaking. I went to New York to meet her and we talked and we talked. We spent the whole day together. It was fantastic. It was really cool. It was like the way a date should have been. Uh-huh. And it got towards the end of the evening. And she really started opening up and I started opening up. And then I says, well, listen, there's something I need to tell you. And I told her and it just, I literally saw the blood drain from her face. Okay. So what did you tell her? What were, do you remember what the words were? Do you remember how you, how you said it? Well, we were, (laughs) we were in the back of the car making out. (laughs) Okay. So there's the, so you're making out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Getting hot and heavy. And for some reason, I just, whether it was a defense mechanism in myself or the fact that I knew that I had to, I had to open up and I had to say something because in fear of getting rejected now would be less than getting rejected later. If things really, you know, as soon as you start saying, I love you and all that good stuff, you know, it, it gets even a lot harder. So we're in the car and we're talking. I says, listen, you know, there's something I got to tell you, but I don't know how you're going to react. And I says, you know, I have this herpes thing that pops up once in a while, you know, cold sores, but instead I get it down here. And she was in shock. Uh-huh. And I can't really reveal what she had said to me per se out of common courtesy for her feelings, but she did reveal something to me that was in her life that this on top of that would have just really put her stress level completely off, off the world. Mm-hmm. And it was something that she couldn't handle. And that killed me. That completely killed me. The whole ride home was just me staring with my hands on the wheel, just completely numb. And so when you say it killed you, is it, what was the, and you said you were numb. It's like you were, or is it you were in shock? What was the, what were the emotions that were happening? Like, was it just, you just were kind of numb because you were in shock? Was it because the re- feeling rejected? Like what was going on that it was devastating for you? 
So here's the funny difference about men and women that I think is quite interesting. For me, I was completely and utterly numb the whole way home, not even thinking. Just I, I would say I would say shock is is probably a, a word that's apropos that you pick. Okay. Completely mad at myself for allowing myself to get into a relationship with someone and allowing myself to get hurt. That part of my ego was punching me in the face, calling me an idiot. Mm. So on top of everything else and having that shame, now that that door that I had put all of my shame and everything into is now open mm -hmm. and everything is coming out. So there was no ignoring it at this point. So were she still in the car with you while you were driving home? Did you kick no, her out of the car? Like what happened after the conversation? <laughs> I know for somebody who's supposed to be a really good storyteller, I'm really terrible at talking about my feelings. Oh, oh don't worry. Everybody's awful about to know what to talk about their feelings. So you're, you're not alone in that. <laughs> As an author, if you asked me to write this out, it would have been a lot easier. Um, I think if I remember correctly, after I had told her, and kind of waited for her response. She gave me her response and said, you know, this is just too much for me. Mm -hmm. She was very eager to get out of the car. Okay. I think her level of being uncomfortable was pretty close to where my level of being uncomfortable was. And I think we were both simultaneously experiencing that weird shame mm -hmm. and shock at the same time. Now for her, I don't know it, the most difficult part about that situation for me was getting home and then um, sending a message to her like the next day and her just saying, listen, I, I don't think I want to talk to you anymore. Mm. Pretty hard. Mm -hmm. Now, as a kid, you know, I'd be like, oh, well, you know, you're a B word, blah, blah, blah. But she really wasn't. It was just mm -hmm. that's where she was and that's she couldn't deal with it and I couldn't deal with it. So, it, but at the time, did you, like, that's a very mature adult perspective of it. At the time, were you, did you react in a negative sort of way? Or was there like a reactiveness? Did you like lash out? Like, let's, let's talk about it. Like, that's great from the adult mature perspective. <laughs> so, so me as a kid. Exactly. I, I was, I, I, yeah, I was, I was angry. I was furious. Um. But I didn't, uh, I, I kind of turned a little stalkerish trying to send messages. I says, you know, why won't you talk to me? Please talk to me. Like, mm -hmm. I was not, I was not mature enough to, to accept a no answer at that time. Mm -hmm. And it, it wasn't like, I had never had any intention on being that person that was going to like, oh, I'm going to drive up there and I'm going to slash your tires. It wasn't anything like that, that kind of an anger. It was more of a, please, please speak to me. Mm -hmm. you know let me let me talk to you and I think somehow in the back of my mind as part of you know toxic masculinity there's this part of me that was just like oh, oh if I could only talk to her oh if I could only just keep saying the same thing over and over again she'll accept me and everything will be fine and like no it doesn't work that way no so, but but at the time that was where that was coming from, right? Like that makes, it, it makes perfect, like at the yep. time, it's like all these awful, ucky feelings are coming up as this person has like rejected you. 
And so at the time, it makes perfect logical sense, complete logical sense that if you just talk to me and accept me, then I will feel okay. And I need to feel okay because I feel so awful. And like when you're that age, that's that's where you're moving from, right? Yeah, so that's all I knew. That's all you knew. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, and of course she was like not having none of it. <laughs> yep. Yep. And it ended up, there was a few messages going back and forth. Nothing crazy, just, you know, please talk to me. You know, I love you, blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever, whatever I was typing at the time. And she ended up blocking me. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was, that, was, that was almost the nail in the coffin as far as my future was concerned, which was kind of a dumb thing to think when you really think about it. Yeah, but you're young and you got stuff going on and there's lots of things that we, yeah. when we're young, think about and experience, you know, that's part of the, the joys of, you know, hormones of being young. But that's how we feel. Yeah, you know? that yeah. is how you feel. Yeah. And so, it, so you felt that it gets at that relationship just gets blocked. You're, you're devastated you're feeling really bad. You had mentioned the word suicide. Now, were you like suicidal? Did you actually attempt? Like what ended up happening around that? I, I, I was, I was getting to that point. There's, there's a, for me, there's, how do I say this without sounding horrible? There's an interesting part of the thought process of understanding going from point A to point B but point C being actually carrying it out. Mm-hmm. So for me, there's this whole journey getting to that point, but I ended up getting to just before the act of doing it, something kicked in, in my head, you know, there is a survival instinct, evolutionarily speaking, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I ended up not getting there, but the, the feelings of being in that place. Oof. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, you know, you hear, you hear people talk about being, you know, suicidal and it's like, yeah, yeah, that's not a good place to be. No. And it's, it's very hard to explain that to people. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you're still with us means that at some point you uh, moved out of that place. Well, uh, it took years. It took years to just, again, Again, doing denial, mm-hmm. you know, uh, again, taking all of those feelings and putting them back down. You know, it's kind of like trying to push a door closed when a whole bunch of people are trying to get in. Mm-hmm. And now there's this new thing that I'm trying to push out. So it ended up being quite a few years of being frustrated with that and then ending up, you know, talking to someone professionally mm-hmm. and getting some help, which not everybody is apt to getting to. So I, I got very lucky in that, in that aspect and it was able to deal with some of those feelings. And what did end up happening around your relationships? There was, there was quite a few years that were very difficult. Uh, again, being brought up in a, in a very long period of, of toxic masculinity and not understanding, you know, both sides can have feelings. <laughs> <laughs> No, you, you think you're being funny, but she's like, no, no, you're not. (laughs) Yeah. So that was, it was a matter of learning that it takes two literally to tango. 
and dealing with some of those emotions and understanding that those emotions were mine mm-hmm. and they were mine alone and you can't force them on people. Mm-hmm. You can't apply them to people. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was quite a learning process. And so have you learned that? Oh, sure. Yeah, finally. And And so have you had some successful relationships? I've had a few. Um, Being being an author about herpes, it kind of puts me in a very weird place in dating. Mm -hmm. Women women are very smart. Um, Most most of them are very smart. And if you if you in the dating world, women will tend to hmm, what's your name? Hmm, I'm going to look you up. And then they look you up and they're like, oh, that's who he is. So it kind of takes away from getting to know somebody. So dating for me is very, very difficult and very odd. Mm-hmm. Unless I have an opportunity to where somebody doesn't know what I do. And I can actually have the conversation and like, hey, let's get to know each other. Like, you know, what do you like? What do you, you know, what do you do? And then I believe that dating for me is giving and showing value. Mm. If you don't show your value, then ghosting you and getting rid of you is going to be very easy. Mm-hmm. But if you make that connection with somebody and you, and you give them and you show, hey, listen, you know, I have some value here for both of us. Well, I you have herpes. They're like, they're not as shocked. Mm-hmm. I would love to, I feel like that that's a different show. We should talk about mm-hmm. having a show around dating and having herpes and what that experience is all about. And a whole other ball game. <laughs> which is a whole other ball game. So I think that would be a really great show, whether that is on Tickle.life or more My Orgasmic Life. I would love to have that conversation because sure. I think it's yeah. a really powerful one of like, how do you navigate that in it? Because it's a it's a different way of navigating the world of relationships and dating and intimacy and all the things, right? So yeah, we could do that totally. All right, let's do it. Okay, so we definitely have a toxic masculinity background, so we can. <laughs> awesome. All right, so that that's our next show that we'll do together. <laughs> Wonderful. So I to before we close up, first of all, I want to thank you for leaning in with us and sharing those thoughts, those feelings, those experiences that, you know, are hard to share. And so, you know, I want to, I want to say thank you really deeply for me and the audience that you were able to show up for us to get. Now, how do people spend, first of all, what do you got going on in the world? Oh, I got quite a few things going on. Um, So being an author, Uh, on the subject of herpes. I have my first book, which has been out for a while. It's called Asking for a Friend, if I'm showing anything here, the first book. And I do actually talk about my feelings a lot better in print than I do in person. You did fabulous. Own it. You you don't need to apologize. You did a good job. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's so it's I'm not used to talking about myself, which seems kind of odd when you, when you, you know, somebody actually like, Oh, what really, how are you feeling? You're like, ah, what? (laughs) Stop asking me that question. I get it. I understand. You did good. You did very well, actually. (laughs) So, you know, that the, the book was actually 
so to, to kind of caveat off of herpes, I, I had been suffering from herpes. I was, I was the one to 2% of people that suffer from herpes in the worst way. Mm-hmm. Most people do just fine. They don't even know they have it. Me, however, didn't do so well. I was getting two to three outbreaks a month for over 28 years, mm. which put me in a lot of pain, a lot of anguish. Um, as understandably, you can understand that the bouts of suicide taking place being within a chronic illness of a disease. So yes. I had met uh, Dr. Halford in 2016 and I took place in an experimental vaccine that was given over in St. Kitts. And now because of that immunotherapeutic treatment, I get two to three outbreaks a year. Nice. If that. So my story in the first book was talking about uh, dating, suicide, what it was like getting herpes in much more detail than we were talking um, and discussing how the vaccine changed my life. And in doing so, I had made a promise. I made a promise to Dr. Halford before he died. He died of uh, cancer. Great guy, amazing scientist. And I had made a promise to him. I says, look, if this works, I promise I will talk about it because nobody wanted to talk about it because it was herpes. Nobody wants to talk about herpes. Yeah. Nobody wants to talk about that. As soon as you talk about it, people are running away. And I, I like to think that I'm a man of my word. So I took it to the next level and I put it in the book. Nice. So I started realizing that, yes, that's my story. I don't want to make money off of herpes, but there was a part of me that was saying, well, wait a second. I never had any information as a kid. There was no resources that were good. Because if you go online and you look right now, it's completely terrible. A lot of stuff that's out there is completely wrong. So I decided I created a website and I started writing articles on the subject of herpes with, with the science, with scientific references that back up what we're talking about. And I give it away for free. And so how do people find that? If you go to askingforafriend.us, you will find a ridiculous amount of information that is free. Obviously I'm selling the book and my new kid's book is coming out at the end of January which is the only kid's book that talks about cold source. Beautiful. I love it. So, so I, I just felt that people, that's fine. You can get the book, but you should have some good, decent information for free. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so what, so what's the best way? Say it again. What's the best way to find you, hang out with you, have resources by you. Asking for a friend.us. You can find me on most social media platforms, Instagram. Uh, I'm on TikTok. I do a lot of weird things on TikTok. But a lot of it's talking about herpes and trying to put it in a, in a better light. Beautiful. So all of the information will be in the show notes and different ways in which you can connect. Um, and thank you. Thank you yeah. for being on the show. It was yeah, uh, lovely. We can, we can talk again if you'd like. Absolutely. Thank you for letting me talk about that. I, I wasn't even expecting to talk about my book. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. Surprise. <laughs> See, you're uncomfortable and then you get a reward. <laughs> right? It's like the compliment sandwich, right? There's a compliment, there's a critique, and then there's a compliment. <laughs> exactly. 
All right. So audience, um, you know, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for listening to Tickle.Life podcast. Make sure that you tune in. You can find Tickle.Life podcast on all the podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you find your podcasts, shows, as well as don't forget to check out Tickle.Life for all of your sexual wellness and educational needs. Have Mm -hmm. a great day. Woo!